players, get ready. The new Atari 5200 Super System is here. With a controller so advanced, it plays arcade. Graphics so real, it looks arcade. With arcade hits, you can't play on any other system. No other home video system can touch it. The new Atari 5200 Super System. It's as good as you are. Maybe even better. Next time. started we are yeah. i know i am all righty well welcome everyone to the atari super community podcast today we're going to discuss the game gremlins <laughs> as always we have rk here with us i'm right here but we have a new guy too mr mighty matt d hey everyone hey, hey matt hey rk so mr matt what's your history with the 5200 well, to be honest with you, there's not a lot to tell until you guys started doing the 5200 podcast. I had maybe played it once or twice when I was a kid in uh, 82 or 83, because one of my friends did have one. And um, I remember playing a couple of games on it, but I, really I've always kind of been interested in it because I played the 2600 a lot. I had a 7800 when I was a kid. And it's I, I always saw catalogs for it because they still had all the catalogs in the silver box games, you know, for it. Yeah. I was always curious about it. And when you guys started doing the podcast, I started looking around. You know, I get I get curious about these things. I, anytime I hear a podcast on something I don't already have, then I've got to play it. I've got to try it out for myself. So it's not really a hard system to collect for. You know, it's but the good thing about it being such a black sheep is. You can get stuff for it pretty cheap. Oh uh, yeah, yes. I, I, Matt, I, how would you um, compare it to the seventy eight hundred? I know the seventy eight hundred is more advanced, but I think the sound, of course, is much better on the fifty two hundred. But and the and of course, there's the controller issue on the fifty two hundred. But overall, how would you compare them to? You know, I actually, in a, in almost all ways, I like it better. I gotta say, um, the seventy eight hundred has the twenty six hundred sound, which just is awful and yeah. I, I wish they had used the pokey chip and more cartridges but with it being such a budget system and being atari treating it like a budget system not a lot of games got that i think the 5200 is where they sort of you know they went out of their way to, to make it the deluxe system and it, it shows and it's got a great selection of games and yeah the controller is not great for arcade games but if you can see past that or get a you know a, one of those master play controller adapters then you're all set and the sound makes a difference that feels like the graphics are higher resolution too and that might be just my imagination but i think that the graphics are a bit more detailed on it yeah i guess i felt that the 5200 feels more like what it intended to be an at-home arcade machine it feels more arcade like and the graphics kind of reflect that yeah, the sound really certainly the sound i think is a, a sound is important in a game and I found the 7800 very disappointing. It kind of cheapened the games. 
But I think even though the 5200 had a limited library, um, I, I found the proportion of games on the 5200 compared to what was on the 7800 were better games. Yeah, it doesn't have a huge library, but there's really not a lot of bad games in there. No, I think it's a higher percentage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, the only thing I think that where it maybe falls short is, and we can talk about maybe about this a little bit later, but when there's a lot of moving objects on the screen, I think the 7800's a bit better at handling that. Like it doesn't ever slow down or something, and I think the mm -hmm. 5200 kind of does sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a little flicker sometimes, too, on the 5200. Yeah, but uh, mm -hmm. overall, I think it's... It's it's kind of neat, and you know the controller being odd as it is, they were trying to do something forward thinking with it, and sometimes having the keypad right there is a plus. Like with Star Raiders, for instance. Oh you know, yeah, or Defender. Or Defender, yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that on the, the seventy eight hundred. You know, I never thought of that, Matt. That's a good point. They weren't trying to cheap their way. They might have been stubborn when somebody said, "Hey, you know, these controllers aren't going to cut it," but. When they designed them, they weren't trying to cheap out. They were trying to do something forward-thinking. And that's an excellent point that I don't think I've ever heard anybody bring up before. Yeah. And, you know, i got to tell you, I think for me it doesn't bother me as much, maybe, because my first gaming experience, a lot of it was on the Radio Shack Color Computer. And I don't know if you guys have any experience with that thing, but <laughs> it had, it came with, the default joysticks for it were analog non-centering joysticks huh. compared to the 5200 controller these things were even way worse i mean they, they were awful. <laughs> never and knew I that played, i played games on those all the time so to me the 5200 controller really isn't that big of a deal i think the bad the thing that really killed it probably wasn't that it was weird like non-centering and analog i think it was more that it failed yes often that it broke you know that was really what killed it People don't have the patience for that kind of thing to go and buy a new no. controller every six months. Well, especially as much as it cost back then, too. Oh, yeah. And it's still, like, that that was the most expensive part of me getting into 5200 collecting by far, was getting a working controller. Yes. I, I, got, I have two consoles that I got just because they're so cheap. Like, one was in a bundle of other things that I happen to want. Like, that's, the console was really nothing to get, but the controller, I had to order one of those from Best Electronics, and it was, you know, it was... A little bit of change to get one of those things. <laughs> what's, your game, what's your game? What's your game lab library like? Oh my, uh, my setup. Yeah, for the fifty-two hundred, how many games do you have? Oh, my library. Uh, I've probably got maybe twenty or twenty-five. I've got oh. most of the most of the common stuff. Yeah. What about an adapter for the twenty-six hundred? Did you go that to go there with that? No, I didn't get one of those. Um, I have a two port and a four port, so I'm sure the two port or the four port one would work with it. Yeah. But I uh, I don't know. I don't really see the need. I might get one if I run across one in the wild or something, just because. But probably not. Yeah, I think by then everything was playing 2600 games. I mean, <laughs> I you don't even need a 2600 console. Everything plays the 2600 games. I know, right? It's it's a system. They all, all in television and ColecoVision all talked about how much better they, they were than the twenty six hundred, but they sure made a lot of efforts. To yeah, didn't they? Backwards compatible. <laughs> oh man! Are you hungry? Hungry as a gremlin? Here's gremlin cereal. Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite. What a tasty way to 
Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Yeah, Mom, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're going to like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do... They change. They become clever. Mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. I've been here too. What are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Gremlins. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you on Janice. So, well, let's get started with Gremlins here. Now, this game is based on the movie Gremlins, and it's actually kind of kind of unique in its gameplay. It's actually quite a bit of fun to play. One yeah, of the, I agree. It's it's a lot like, uh, kind of reminds me of Robotron a little bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Just a little bit, yes. You know, the basic gist of the game is it's spread out across 23 nights, with, you know, the first night being the easiest, the 23rd night being the hardest. And basically what you're doing is you're running around as Billy Peltzer, carrying your sword and a, and a supply of flash cubes, trying to capture these little mogwais and put them in the pen uh, before they get a hold of food or they hatch into gremlins and start chasing you around. And of course, you're armed with a sword, so you can use those to uh, defeat the gremlins. But the gremlins have this nasty habit of trying to go on up to the, the pen and release the mogwais back out into the uh, room again. 
So it's a pretty interesting game to try to corral these little guys running around the screen, especially when they're hitting puddles of water and multiplying. What do you think about the game, uh, RK? You know, I, I liked the, well, I thought the graphics and the animation were pretty good. It, it feels like an arcade game, even though it wasn't in the arcade. And so I liked the art on it. I thought the sound, the music was done very well. It really kind of shows off the 5200's capabilities. Um, and it has that open, open arena feel like, you know, like you mentioned, um, Robotron, a little bit like Food Fight. You know, you have that, and it, and it gets, it does get a little hairy. It gets fast. It picks up. So it starts off like a cute game, but it, it, it grabs you. And uh, I think it's a pretty satisfying game. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I, uh, it, it's the kind of game that's right up Atari's alley, like a single screen game with a lot of moving objects. That's that's their bread and butter, you know. And uh, I, I like the theme, but I thought it f- followed the movie pretty closely for being a game from you know th- that time period. I would have liked to have seen maybe some other boards. Like they know that there was a scene in a bar and there was a scene in a toy store, and it would have been kind of cool to maybe have a couple of different screens like that. But I think overall it's good. It lets you do some different strategies. Like do you want to go around and grab the food or do you just want to finish the level as quick as you can? Do you want to try to let all the Mogwai multiply so you get to capture more of them and get higher points that way? Yeah. It, it lets you play it in a lot, a lot of different ways. And it looks and sounds great. Yeah. Especially think- that intro screen. Oh, yeah, that's really good. I love the intro screen, that gremlin, that big old smirk on his face. Yeah. <laughs> Cracks me up, man. <laughs> yeah, the artwork is done very well. And you can't confuse this with the 2600 version. No. No, you cannot. Totally <laughs> different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking that, like, I really didn't hadn't looked at this thing at all until, uh, you know, I played it for this podcast. And I kind of just expected a graphically enhanced 2600 version. So I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's totally different with the 2600 version. The 2600 version is basically like a a bad Kaboom and a bad Space Invaders. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Put into one cartridge. Yeah. But you know, one of the things I like about this game is some of the extra stuff that they put in there, like the, the TV set that you can turn on. If there's any Gremlins or Mogwai nearby, they'll stop and start watching TV. <laughs> I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's another thing that lets you add some strategy to it. You know, do you want to run over and turn on the TV? Because that can make a big difference. Yeah. And of course, you know, I like it when one of the gremlins gets inside of the refrigerator and starts throwing stuff out of the fridge. I love those animations. (laughs) Yeah, that's very cool. And the popcorn popper. Yeah, and I think all that stuff was in the movie. Like, yeah. It's been ages since I've seen it, but I, I, I think there was a Peltzer popcorn popper that shot popcorn everywhere, and he did have some ice maker issues with the fridge or something. So that's kind of cool that they put that in there. Yeah, you know, one of the things I, I notice is the, the gremlins, they have this real knack for trying to get up to that, that uh, pin to let everybody out again. Oh, yeah. One of them always makes a beeline for it. Oh, yeah tries to undo all your hard work and of course you know i like the animation of when one of the gremlins touch you you turn into a skeleton and fall to pieces oh yeah it kind, of remi- it kind of reminds me of like the death scene from dragon's lair for dirk the daring 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. He gets skeletonized. It's, it's pretty. It was a little surprising to see that. What about you, RK? Anything to talk about the game? Yeah, um, the movie that it's based on. Um, this gets a little bit away from the game, but you know, does anybody know anything about the real Gremlins? No. Nope. That this wasn't just a movie that was written by Chris Columbus and that it was based on a theory, an idea, um, experiences from World War II. I know. Here we go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always have to find the angle, you know. Um now you can you can look this up. I heard about this back when the movie was out. Uh, you hear the name Gremlins, and you you think of like a gremlin as kind of what was pictured in the movie, or you think about a gremlin as kind of a de- you know demonic little creature, or even little imps dressed in clothes. Um, apparently, <clears throat> during World War II there were gremlins that were sabotaging British planes, according to uh, the British pilots. They actually saw them. They reported them. They would, they would do things like cut wires, remove bolts and screws. They would screw around with the dials and the knobs. They would uh, slash wings or tires. They would... Um, some pilots uh, said that they would even get into their head, you know. Um, there were paintings made, painted, of these planes with the gremlins crawling all over them, doing their thing. This became a very popular sort of belief that this was actually happening to the point where there's a, um, there's a Bugs Bunny cartoon, yeah. falling, falling Hair, which has a little gremlin screwing around with the plane that Bugs Bunny's stuck in. And that's all based on what these airmen were reporting to the point where <clears throat> there was a, a, a gremlerist named uh, pilot, well, he was pilot officer Percy Prune. And he, <laughs> I really researched this. He um, came up with an official document consisting of a list of the creature's exploits, how to distract them, um, ways to avoid them, how to avoid accidents. There were posters made back then of, like I said, of the paintings of these planes with these little monsters on there. Um, they came up with this long poem, which I'm, you know, I'm not going to read, but it, it describes what they do. And I don't think that Spielberg and I think he got Joe Dante to to uh, direct this movie. I I think that the nature, the personalities of the Gremlins were sort of based on the Gremlins that were in World War II and on these planes. <clears throat> they they kind of looked a little bit like that. They looked a little bit like the Gremlin, and I think this is where that Twilight Zone episode came from, where originally it was in the original series with William Shatner sitting on the plane, seeing a Gremlin out in the wing, tearing up the wing. And then they remade it uh, for the Twilight Zone movie. And if you notice that that Gremlin on that plane in that movie looks a little closer to the Gremlins in this Spielberg movie. 
Um, but these pilots swear that this really happened. They have dates and times and a list of damage that they swear that these little creatures did. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying it's actually <laughs> happened or it didn't happen. I don't know if things happen to your brain when you're up there flying around under duress, but they they came up with it. I mean, Americans also complained about these things that were sabotaging their planes. Um, they could they could be pretty dangerous to the point where <clears throat> when Joe Dante was making this movie, he wanted this movie to be a little bit more gory like a scene where, you know, the mother's head was ripped off and came bouncing down the stairs. He really wanted to make this Holy movie. Cow. Spielberg wasn't going to have any of that. that scared the uh, crap out of me as a little kid. Yeah, it would have been a whole different... <laughs> it it would, probably would have been a movie that I probably would have had on DVD. So, um, anyway, that was where the idea of Gremlins came from. Charles Lindbergh on his New York to Paris flight in 1927... He didn't report it at the time, but in 1953, he wrote his book, The Spirit of St. Louis. And he has a chapter in there about being cramped in a tiny cabin, and the gremlins showed up. And they were actually kind of helping him out, talking about his equipment and helping him out. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> this, this is... Um, you know, I mean, the military have have done experiments with 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 soldiers where they put them in cramped, confined areas, and the and the mind takes over. Um, I don't really understand this in an in an airplane on a on a you know on a shorter mission where you're kind of busy keeping the plane up and trying to shoot down other planes, a bomb that this stuff would happen. But apparently, they all reported it. So. You can. Is this something that still happens today? Like, do the, the, uh, pilots still report anything like this, or is just this just a World War II thing? Um, I think it's mostly a World War II thing. Um, I think that that some crews have reported it since um, since the war. Um, see, this is where we need Captain Bob on that other on that other podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> But he could probably, you know, tell us. But and maybe when they when they actually cover this game, um, you know, the way the way they're they're planning on that that Bob will will, will bring this up. Um, I don't know if Bob's ever seen any gremlins. That'd be interesting to ask him. You know, hey, in any of your experience, did you come across any gremlins? But when I heard back then that this movie was coming out, I immediately thought, oh, they're making a movie about these World War II gremlins because I had heard about these stories for years. And, you know, they go back to the, you know, to the 1900s. Um, they made trouble for the Royal Naval Ale Service starting in 1917, 1918. Hmm. So, so, I don't, don't know. They have to worry about being shot at, but they might have a gremlin messing with their plane. The, well, like you know, really, right? So, you know, <laughs> they're... they're the paintings are remarkable because it does show them in in air battle. Meanwhile, the gremlins are tearing the hell out of the plane. <laughs> well, you know, in, in the modern times, you know, with the amount of maintenance delays I've encountered traveling, I think they're still running around. Well, aren't those bugs or are those gremlins? I'm going to call them gremlins. I haven't taken a flight yet that's not had a maintenance delay. 
I, w I was on one yesterday, and uh, it didn't have a maintenance delay, but they did say it was going to be a very smooth ride, and uh, we had turbulence on a, on uh, on the climb up and descending down. That actually, you know, we looked like we were in a scene from an old Star Trek episode where we were like <laughs> our heads were going back and forth. I mean, I'm on an aisle seat and I'm looking at the screen. I'm on JetBlue and I'm looking at the screen and the headrest in front of me. And the next thing I knew, I'm looking up the aisle sideways because <laughs> my head was thrown. And I heard kids screaming and I heard... You know, I could. I was watching other people. You know, because a lot of people, obviously, that have flown a lot, me included, and they're looking at each other. They're biting their bottom lip, and it's really kind of, it's a little disturbing because you're not on a bus. You know, you're on a bus. If you remember being on a bus and going through a pothole or something, and you'd see the whole cabin kind of bend and shake and everything, and. It's a little disturbing when you're up in the air <laughs> yeah. and you're sitting kind of at the rear of the plane and you're looking down this tube that kind of bends a little and kind of shudders and everything. And you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> Makes all kinds of weird noises all the time. Yeah. You know, no so, who knows if the brain under stress comes up with these little creatures that uh, are kind of comforting in one way because you have something physically to blame or you just lose your mind temporarily. I don't know. But. I'm sure it is. It's a stressful situation anyway. I mean, they're flying into combat, and who knows how long. Yeah. They're but sitting there anyways, in the where it, they got, where they need to go. it inspired an, an iconic movie of the 80s, you know, which had nothing to do with airplanes. No, <laughs> nothing at all. Awesome. Now, did you get to see all three night modes when you were playing the game? Oh, well, Matt, did you? I, I, it's been a while since I played it. Well, the three modes there are, we have, there's a screen where it has a whole bunch of water and no mogwai or food, but gremlins are all over the place. They're multiplying like crazy, kind of like the grid bugs on that Tron arcade game. And then there's a mogwai-only night, which has tons of barriers and food, but no water, and you have a short amount of time to get the mogwai back into the pen. Did you see all three of those screens? Yeah, I did. I got to level 44. Holy moly! Wow. That's impressive. Well, I wondered, and I was going to ask you guys this. See, I didn't play it on a real 5200. I was playing it on the uh, Atari 800 Plus Win emulator. Mm -hmm. And I noticed whenever I started getting up in levels, the more stuff was on the screen, it would slow down a lot. And that made it, honestly, pretty easy. Like I felt like I probably could have played it as long as I wanted to. Does it slow down on a, on a real machine? Well, I didn't get that high to even notice that. <laughs> no, I, I I tried the game. I played with it with a bit, but no, I did not. Uh, this is something I'm going to concentrate on when I get it set up. Uh, this is a game I'm looking forward to play. How did it play? Did you anybody play it with a 5200 joystick or, yes. or a regular joystick? I played it with the 5200 joystick and also plugged in the Master Play clone and tried it with the Sega Genesis controller. Mm, okay. I, I just used a control pad on the emulator, so I didn't. I, I wanted to try it with the fifty two hundred stick just to see if that made it, it any different. It plays. It plays pretty good. Doesn't play too bad. Even with the uh, fifty two hundred control sticks, huh? Yeah, no problem. Now with the fifty two hundred control stick, you know my fingers would cramp out from trying to push those side buttons. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, but, it requires a lot of sword swinging. 
Yeah, but of course the actual control of little Billy running around was not a big problem with the uh, joystick itself. I have a totally unrelated question. Has anybody seen Phoebe Cates in the movie since this movie came out? Mm, no. I don't think so. Hmm. Such a promising start in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and then poof. Gremlins took her in. The Gremlins took her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anything else you want to say about Gremlins? I do not. I, I'm looking forward to playing this, and uh, I'm impressed that Matt got up to level 44. I, I have my work cut out for me. Yeah, I think we're gonna, we know the game player in this group now. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and I'll be curious to see what, uh, what the Atari 5200 podcast, you know, the real podcast. <laughs> well, you know, they'll, get, they'll get more detail and everything about Oh, yeah, it, so. I'm counting on yeah. it. Yeah. I, I don't remember if it was where I heard it or read it, but there is definitely some interesting stories about this game. Like the, the copyright on the box is 86 and the uh, the game was programmed in 84. And an 86 release for a, game, for a machine that was discontinued in 84, that's something's going on there, you know. I wonder if it came out and the, the, the copyright, that's when it was going to expire, I wonder. Hmm. I don't know. I think I read or heard, I, I can't remember which, that that it was that Spielberg wanted it to come out and that he basically forced it to happen after Jack Tremaine bought the company. And that's why it was released in 86. And there was a Gremlins 2. Oh, yeah. I oh, forgot yeah. about that one. Yeah. I never saw it. It's different. So it doesn't really build on what was in Gremlins 1. Mm, not really, no. It takes, takes place inside of a big old office building. Oh. Yeah. There's an NES game for Gremlins 2 also. Yes. Are any of the same actors in the, in the second movie that were in the first one? I think Billy's still, still the same. Yeah. But other than that, I can't think of anybody else. I just can't remember that one very well. I know I've yeah. seen it, but it didn't stick with me like the original one did. No, the original was the best. That was really good. I was, uh, I, as a little kid, I just, I, I loved it because it was just the right amount of scary. Yes. And, uh, adventuresome and all that. So, I, yeah, I really got a big kick out of it. My only thought when I was watching this movie when it first came out was, you know, it's after midnight somewhere. Right. <laughs> you start to wonder what exactly the rules are. Like, if he, if some of the food gets stuck in his teeth. At, yeah. Yeah. 30 and it gets dislodged at one o'clock in the morning. Does that count? <laughs> How does he take a bath? He's right. Get dunked in mud or something. <laughs> well, if you want to see a good gremlins movie, um, you can go on YouTube and you can see falling hair. That bugs bunny cartoon is up oh my there. Gosh, that's, that's so funny. It is. And I think that they show a, I think you can see it on TV in gremlins too. Yes. They, they show a clip of it. Yes. Um, Him screaming as the plane's going down and little gremlins floating around. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm, I'm on Wikipedia here, and apparently 
there's a famous a famous urban legend is referenced in the movie in which Kate reveals in a speech that her father died at Christmas when he dressed as Santa Claus and broke his neck while climbing down the family's chimney. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And after the film was completed, the speech proved to be controversial. I'm reading this right from Wikipedia. And the studio executives insisted that it be removed because they felt it was too ambiguous as to whether it was supposed to be funny or sad. And I'm sitting here like laughing. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Joe Dante, the director, didn't want to take the scene out um, because it had a combination of horrific and comedic elements. And even though Spielberg didn't like the scene, um, he felt that Dante had creative control, so he allowed him to leave it in. But they parodied that scene in Gremlins 2. Hmm. Oh. So now I'm finding new reasons to go see Gremlins 2. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even remember that. Wow. Oh. Now I'm going to watch it again. Yeah, see? Yeah. Oh. I meant to watch it. I meant to watch the original before this. I just didn't get, uh, get around to it. Now they wanted to... <laughs> they used puppets. They used puppetry for the... This is funny. They used puppetry for the gremlins, but originally they attempted to use monkeys <laughs> with gremlin heads on them. Like the Wizard of Oz thing. Yeah, they, they wanted to put like gremlin heads on the on the monkeys. Um, that could have been a whole different movie, you know? Yeah. Like instead of getting them wet, though, the gremlins are throwing their poop at us, you know? <laughs> so. Oh, man. So that was Gremlins on the Atari 5200. Thanks for listening. It's a will. What are you doing with that controller? Put it down. Ow!